0: You're listening to the Demeter Research Market View podcast. I'm Matt Demeter, and with me is Alex Devorkin. Each week, we follow the price action of currencies, commodities, and global stock markets, and we discuss their expected moves in the weeks ahead. We base our opinions on a unique form of technical analysis and on commitment to trader reports, which reveal the position of big banks, the smart money. Show notes can be found at demeterresearch.com slash audio. We welcome questions and feedback, positive or negative. Did we make a good call or a bad call? We're happy to stand on our record, so email us at matt at demeterresearch.com.
1: Hi, Matt. How are you? Doing great. How about you, Alex? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Uh, how's everything in Florida? nice
0: uh it's sunny we're getting uh, more rain though you know in the middle of the day and then it goes away and then it, we just start all over how about you
1: uh, you know still bone dry no actually it, it's a miracle we we had a we had rain in San Diego uh, today as a matter of fact probably for the first time in a couple of weeks but it's a little one I usually call them free car washes you know I, I take my car out uh, out of the garage and i park it outside and, and i and, you know it gets a little bit cleaner so <laughs> um, it's, a start. it's a start but no it's it, we're really having a serious problem here in california so we'll see how that plays out um i have talked to a couple of people apparently there's uh, a lot of the water is going to uh rise, uh cultivation here in california so um there's a lot of discussion about stopping that And that apparently is... I thought it was a lot of
0: different agriculture. Is it it rice one of the big ones? Because rice takes a lot of water.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Almonds is another one. So both of those take a lot of water. So there's a lot of, uh, not necessarily a lot of discussion, but there's a discussion to maybe curb those areas because they do take a lot of water and that's going to take a lot of pressure off. But otherwise, it's, it's getting pretty bad. You know, we didn't have any snowfall this year in the mountains. Uh, it's bone dry uh, some of the NASA scientists are saying that even the groundwater is going to be gone within the next couple of months so it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out and what kind of impact it's going to have on things like real estate prices, you know, if you can't live here um, and if people start moving away you know, what's going to happen to real estate so for me personally that's that's going to be interesting to see how it turns out, hopefully we have the snowfall, we have the rain over the next couple of years, and the, the whole issue goes away. But it appears it's a, it's a long cycle where it might not. So, Well, if, if, if California
0: is ready to pay enough, you could just do desalinization. That's very expensive, but you, you could get water that way.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually connected to the network here in San Diego. They, they're building a plant. On between on on the border, I guess between Orange County or Los Angeles and San Diego, and the people who are involved in that project, they're essentially saying that it's it's not going to happen again because of the red tape, because of all the lawsuits and litigation that is involved in the project. It's been a very difficult, or it has been very difficult for them to even get to this stage where a plant is being built and. It's going to be a drop in the water. That's my point. But in order to kind of resolve this situation in California, there's going to be – there are going to have to be – actually, I have no idea how many, but uh, quite a few, I would imagine. And the, what, the, what those people are saying, it's not going to happen. So I'm not sure – Because of bureaucracy and red
0: tape or – I mean, you, you, if it's desperate enough, it will – I think it will probably happen, no? Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it maybe – well, obviously, it takes a lot of money and time to build one. Uh, that's issue number one. Red tape is issue number two, and then uh, as soon as somebody proposes it, you know there's a, a ton of lawsuits that come packaged, oh. packaged together with that. So,
0: right.
1: you know, maybe, maybe if there's a real problem, it's going to take a ten year. It's going to be ten years before another one is built. But it's a drop in the water. California needs water now, basically, um, or yesterday, and it's it's running out pretty fast. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I hope worst out. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully for everybody. I mean, you know, agriculture is coming out of uh, Central Valley, so uh, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> but so far, everybody's watering their lawns, and you know, the, it, everything's green. But uh, you know, s- summer's coming up, and it's going to get pretty hot. Uh, like I, I do occasional swimming in the ocean, more so in the summer. But this this uh, year the water, ocean water here in San Diego has been unusually warm, usually it dips down to like around 55, 56 degrees. But this year it stayed above 60. So the, I think the coldest it has gotten is 61 or 62 degrees. So that tells you that there's definitely something's going on with the environment, you know, and whether or not you believe in global warming, that's a different story. But there's def- definitely something going on, and that probably will a difference. Yeah, it is. I mean, so. the Pacific Ocean is pretty big,
0: so uh, <laughs> five degree difference or four degree, whatever that um, is. I mean, that's hopefully that's just. Uh,
1: yeah, it could be an unusual year. It happens, or something. Yeah. But it's it's been a progression in that direction. So so we'll see. Um, maybe California is going to be a desert, and then we're going to have an earthquake. It's going to you know slide into the ocean anyway. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not buying any real estate in California at this point in time. <laughs> sure. It's, it's overpriced anyway.
0: Well, you were talking earlier about uh, the Apple Watch. I want to ask you if, you, if you're you into it, Do you like it.
1: No. I mean, uh, you know, I, I wrote about it on my blog. I think it's going to be uh, a dramatic failure for Apple. Um, I know there's a lot of press out there that everybody, all, all the celebrities are buying Apple Watches and, you know, their million units are going to go out, 2 million units, 20 million units, whatever the, the, the headline is, is going to go out. But I don't see a reason why would, you would get one, to be honest with you. So from my perspective, I, I think that's going to be a failure. Um, and I'm not sure what that's going to do to Apple and its stock price. Probably not a good thing. Probably people will start realizing, or at least that has been my analysis, that maybe the innovation that Apple had over the last, uh, let's say, you know, fifteen to twenty years, um, or since Steve Jobs came back, is no longer there because he's no longer there. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to impact the stock price. What do you think? Are you are you getting Apple Watch or, or not?
0: No, I mean I don't typically get the first generation of anything, so I didn't get the first you know, iPhone, I didn't get the first iPad.
1: Okay, well, and, let me ask you, let me ask yeah. you is, is it even remotely attractive to you as a, as a product? Like, would you buy it? Like, I mean, I don't I don't really know what it
0: can do yet, but one thing I don't like is the, I mean, the screen size is so small, That's necess- that's got to limit what you can do with it. If it could somehow project up like a hologram or something that was much larger, a larger screen size, then yeah. But I just don't think the field of view is large enough to... To really do too many things, I do. What I do think would be cool about it is uh, like the biometric stuff, where it can, uh, if it can be connected to your body, in the sense that it will tell you how well you're sleeping, if you're having a heart attack, anything like that. That would be that would be really major, but it would, it would have to be sort of a medical thing that would make it attractive to me.
1: Uh, I would agree with you on that. My my only concern, and its application to Apple Watch in particular, is there are already products out there in the market. I think that's the direction we're going to move into. Probably more medical applications But there are already products out there That do that And they're less expensive Than the Apple Watch So if I'm looking for that I'll probably go with Either a cheaper version of the watch From somebody else Maybe Samsung Or, or some other player um, Well I haven't looked into any of the competition Because I have no desire whatsoever to have the watch So I don't care uh, that's why I think it's it's going to be a failure. But uh
0: well, I mean, you could say the same. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know with Apple because you probably could have said the same thing about uh, well, there's other tablets out there, there's other phones out there, and clearly they've dominated every category they've gone into. I wouldn't count them out entirely. I, I just I figure if there's something there, they'll they'll make the most of it.
1: Yeah, no, maybe maybe you're right, but I, I just remember for, if, if you remember when the iPhone first came out, everybody was excited. I mean, they blew everybody out of the water. There was nothing like that uh, on the market. It was uh, the the situation was uh, somewhat similar when you know iPads came out, but right. you know there's there's so many watches out there where you know Apple is just another player. So, you know what I think is going to
0: be big though is to, talking about field of view is the Oculus Rift.
1: You heard that? And I, I, I think so, but why don't you kind of refresh my memory? What, what, what exactly is that? It's
0: like a virtual reality headset. Uh, it's,
1: it's those big goggles, right? You put on your... Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: I think people get an actual visceral reaction to it. I mean, that's really, to me, a new form of media. So you can go all kinds of directions with that.
1: And uh, didn't Facebook buy them? If, yeah. Correct, correct me. Okay, so fa- Facebook owns them.
0: Right. And you, you think that's going to be a
1: big growth market? Yeah. I mean, I think
0: it's the logical ex- extension of telepresence. I mean, if you want to meet with somebody, it would be pretty cool just to put on a set of goggles and then you know meet in a virtual room or something like that. I mean, it would be much better than FaceTime, for example. That's that's
1: true. That's a good point.
0: You know, there's lots of gaming applications. There's, uh, I mean, I, I can only imagine what the porn industry will try to do with it.
1: Uh, well, they I mean, they're you know, always the you know the uh, the first of the market. So that, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting how how that works out. So I think that could be a pretty big success. Okay. So would you invest in Facebook or? Day a little bit overpriced. Well, then you I mean, I, I would buy.
0: I would invest in Oculus Rift alone, but now they're a, a piece of Facebook, and uh, Facebook is not a cheap stock. Definitely they're, not. I think they're selling at something. What like 10 times sales? Something like that?
1: Uh, I would probably have to go with that. I have. Yeah, it's in that ballpark. I it's not okay. it by any means.
0: So on a fundamental level, no, I'm not that excited about Facebook. They'll probably continue to, as a business, do very well. So if I can just get it at a cheaper valuation, I'd be interested.
1: Okay, uh, but going back to Apple, and the reason I asked you about the Apple Watch, or you asked me about the Apple Watch, is uh, they have earnings coming out on Monday. Do you think uh, good, bad, up, down? What are your thoughts on, on the stock itself?
0: I don't know, about you know whether the earnings will be good or not. But I do think it's going higher. I don't think the it's top. I don't think it's close to uh, topping out yet.
1: Okay, so you have a, a higher price
0: Yeah, I do. And it's a long-term target, though, so it might take some time.
1: Yeah, looking at the chart right now, technically speaking, it's uh, breaking out of its uh, resistance levels. So at least people are anticipating a good earnings report, which is probably going to be the case. Um, Or, well, yeah, I'm in the same park as you. I, I have no idea how how the market is going to react to, to Apple. Earnings are probably going to be good just because they're riding the wave of, you know, the previous technology. But
0: um, Well, for, as far as the watch goes, they had, they had monster pre-sales, didn't they? Or did I hear that wrong?
1: Nobody really knows. I mean, uh, they're, they're saying, I, th- I think I read last time, a million units or two million units, but it's unconfirmed information. So, It's kind of floating out there, but nobody really knows how many watches they actually sold As far as I know I I don't follow the the stock that closely So uh, don't quote me on that Um, If you follow the stock, you probably have much better read on it But um, that's all I know I haven't looked at it in a while But all I know is if uh, I have a target that's higher than where it is now But in either case, uh, point being, it's probably going to move the market on Tuesday So watch out for that uh, one way or another, but let's let's jump to our uh, weekly analysis. What do you think?
0: Well, we usually start off with COTs, and there isn't a whole lot to talk about this week. That would add on to last week. Last week we talked about uh, the concentrated long positions that the banks held in the currency. So they were in this order: they were long thirty net long thirty percent of the euro market. Okay. Then they uh, were fifty percent of the British pound. And 70% of the Australian dollar okay. net long. So I mean, just the you know, Australian dollar is just huge, and Massive anything, anything yeah. in the 50% ballpark is is pretty big. Okay, and the I mean, U.S. dollar they were 50% net short of the entire open interest.
1: Okay, so that that remains to be the where that remains the case for for this week, right?
0: That remains the case. There's a little bit of moderation. So where they were. You know, super heavy, long Australian dollar, they took some off. Same thing with uh, the pound. Uh, with the euro, they stayed flat. They, didn't, they hadn't built up a massive position, a, as massive a position in euro. Okay. But it looks to me like when we talked about the dollar having uh, peaked out, at least temporarily, I think that's, that was a pretty good high.
1: Yeah, but a great call by the way so far on on the on the U.S. dollar. I think you were right on the money there in, in terms nice. of calling the top. And uh, I'm I'm just going to interrupt you very briefly because uh, we might have new listeners to our podcast who have no idea what what you know we're talking about. Basically, Matt is talking about COT reports, which is Commitment of Traders report, and uh, they indicate what the commercials or the big guys are buying or selling or what positions they're establishing. And the theory behind that is we want to be on the same side as they are uh, because sooner or later they're going to be able to move the market in their uh, their direction or direction that they want. So what Matt is telling you is basically that they're building huge, not big, but huge long positions in British pound, um, euro, Australian dollar, and they're shorting the dollar. So uh, just to kind of clarify what we're talking about here. Did I miss anything, Matt?
0: No, that, no, that's right. Those are the, those are the main currencies we were focused on. Okay. Those are the big ones. Moving on to anything else as far as the COTs, I'm noticing that uh, emerging markets commercials are continuing to short emerging market futures. Uh, they're now at 43% of the net short position for the the whole open interest. Okay. So that's starting to get into the you know pretty heavily
1: concentrated zone. And they they still uh, short the U.S. equity markets with uh, volatility, correct? They they long volatility and short. They're long. They're still
0: long volatility. Uh, okay. They just, they just modestly added to their uh, their net long position in volatility. Okay. So they're still they're still betting on a, a spike in volatility at some point.
1: Okay. Um, which doesn't bode well apparently for for the U.S. stock market. Um, We'll see what, what how that plays out over the next couple of months, I guess.
0: Absolutely, I, that's what I think we'll see. Okay. We've been talking about it for uh, weeks. <laughs> we're
1: just, we're just waiting. I mean, we're just waiting
0: for the final highs to be hit. You know, if
1: we if we take a, a long term kind of picture, right, we we're probably sitting somewhere around 2007 or 2000 tops, uh, multi year tops before a, a bear leg starts. And uh, it would be wise to kind of position yourself If if you are long-term investors for that eventual outcome uh, That would be my longer-term view And I talk about it on my blog all the time And I, I make no secret about it So uh, I don't think it's time to speculate and be long um, I think it's time to kind of position yourself for, for a potential decline uh, Potentially significant decline And kind of ride it out, so to speak uh, before going long again.
0: We spoke as well about Nikkei, the right. Nikkei, uh, Japanese market. And, I was just uh,
1: about to ask you about that, but oh, <laughs> since, you, since, since you bring it up, go ahead. And, uh, well, that
0: one, I'm, I'll just go out on a limb and say that I think we hit a, we hit a significant top. And I don't know if it's going to be the big, big top, and there's no further top ahead. Okay. There's a, there's a very good chance of a significant sell-off in Nikkei.
1: Okay. And uh, if you listen to traditional media, uh, you will not hear any of that. No. Um, everybody's kind of bullish and, you know, all-time highs and all that stuff. So you think we've hit some sort of a top on Nikkei? I think we've hit a top
0: of, of significant importance. I don't know. I have I have some other charts that give me reason to think this could be a top. We get a pullback and then we then go on to exceed it and have a um, make an, another high uh, later in the year. Uh, but for now, uh, I, I'll just go ahead and say that I'm short and I uh, got my subscribers short last week at, at very close to the high.
1: Okay. Um, very good. By very go close, I mean
0: within you know half a percent.
1: Yeah. And thank you, by the way, for sharing that information because I believe that we're not that far off from the highs. No. Uh, so if anybody's listening – well, there are people listening, but if, if that particular market is of interest to you, you might want to consider kind of looking at it from from Matt's perspective and then obviously make make your own decisions. Um, Matt, I wanted to ask you about gold and silver. Uh, by the way, great call on, on silver uh, – uh, was a couple of weeks ago on our podcast you, you told our subscribers to cover, uh, because well, it, was it, was in, it was actually
0: uh, late February, so it's been a while, been uh, two months now. But so what we so what we got we we got a good drop down from uh, eighteen dollars and thirty cents, which was uh, about the top in late January. Uh, it was a, it was an easy call. Um, the technicals were pretty straightforward, and the COT report was immensely bearish. Okay. So it really made sense that we got a sell off. And then we dropped we dropped from eighteen thirty down to the sixteen dollar level. Okay. That's about eleven percent drop. So, so I covered and I said that's what what I was doing.
1: Right, I remember uh, that.
0: And uh, silver continued to fall a bit further down to fifteen thirty ish. And then it rebounded back up to the seventeen thirty range. So it was overall a good a good trade. Okay. Um, At that point, when we got up to about seventeen thirty, the COTs went uh, bearish again, and now we've had another drop, and now they're more, much more bullish. The, the COTs.
1: Okay, so l- l- let me ask you about. I, I wanted to ask you about gold in-, in particular because of the U.S. dollar. So, right. uh, the commercials are obviously short the dollar. We've been talking about it for weeks. They anticipated decline significantly. At the same time, I think they're short gold as well, right? And I, I don't think you at least when we spoke about it over the last couple of pod, podcasts you've mentioned that you don't believe that gold bottomed in the beginning of or yeah like I think it was mid March yeah it was mid March um, yeah yeah I don't I don't think so I don't
0: think gold is bottomed uh, I don't think the, the big bottom is in place and that uh, that is a little bit confusing from the standpoint of if you just think about its relationship to the dollar. They don't always move perfectly inversely, but we we'll are probably get another rebound in the dollar at some point. Okay. And that will add to, the, to weakness in gold. Uh, basically, what I'm getting at is gold broke a major support that it shouldn't have broken if it wasn't going to fall down to the next one. Okay. So it's not broken that. It's going to fall to a target low that hasn't been achieved. It hasn't come close enough to, to even say it was in the ballpark. Sometimes, like sometimes if you get real close to a line that I have, I'm not, I'm not 100%. Did we really hit it? Did we not? But with gold, we we had a, a a lot of space between where we bottomed a few weeks back and where the line is.
1: So, so maybe the Fed is serious about raising interest rates. That's that's what I'm thinking because you know there are quite a few people coming out and saying they're not going to do it, but.
0: I don't think that they're gonna raise substantially if they do raise. I think they they might get one or two or three hikes in.
1: I agree with that. Yeah,
0: but and that, that, that's that's up for grabs. But I don't think that they can go much past that. Uh, one thing you know, one thing that we haven't really discussed. I mean, maybe we have talked about it, but uh, you know, if if interest rates just went back to the you know the levels in uh, year 2000,
1: right, which was six percent on a 10 year note.
0: Yeah, and I think at the time, the, I mean, not everything was, not all the outstanding debt was 10 year, uh, but.
1: Yeah, it's just to, you know, give people an indication where we are. We we were around 6% that time. Yeah,
0: and I don't have the figure in front of me, but, uh, it was in the, you know, in the, in the 5%, 6% ballpark, actually. So, uh, the overall, uh, cost of outstanding debt. And I don't know, I actually don't have the figure today, but if we went back to those levels, the U.S. government would be spending more than half of its tax revenue on interest alone. Right, and that's just outrageous. I mean, mandatory spending would be more than 100 percent of right. tax revenue.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the U.S. is bankrupt. I mean, it's just the faith in in the U.S. dollar and faith in the U.S. economy that's kind of keeping us afloat. If we were somebody like Zimbabwe, you know, we would be gone into bankruptcy a long time ago. It was just a matter of perception. Uh, Right. um, So... We have a bigger market
0: for our currency that they can just absorb it more, but... uh, And I think that's what we're going to rely on when we start turning the, you know, currency into confetti. (laughs)
1: Um, Well,
0: uh, it'll it'll be a slower... It should be a slower process, so to speak, because, you know, there's so many more willing takers, at least right now.
1: Well, here's something disturbing, okay, at least from my perspective um, and I thought it was a joke in the beginning where it, it started to come out I think for, if, if I, I first read about it um, a couple of weeks ago it was a, a comment from chief economist of Citigroup I believe, uh, don't quote me on that, I might be wrong, it might, might have been somebody else, it's basically it's a war on Cash, so the proposal was that we should implement rules and regulations that will eventually transform our economy from...
0: Cashless society. Cashless
1: society, exactly. So uh, Chase is actually came out this week, and they are moving in that direction as well. Um, I'm not sure exactly what their plan is, but in certain states, they want to... Uh, make certain rules where, for example, you cannot store cash in your safety deposit boxes um, or if, if you do transaction in, in cash, they will add additional fees to it. So things like that. So we, it's kind of scary because um, we might end up in, in a situation where uh, all of your wealth can disappear in, in, a, in the blink of an eye. Uh, if somebody sets off, you know, like a EMP in the atmosphere, right? and fries all the computers, <laughs> We might right. hire, find ourselves in society with no money, um, and all of your wealth can kind of vanish. So I think it's it's a dangerous direction that we're moving in. We'll see if kind of people other others speak it up and run with it. But uh, I'm not giving up my cash. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll try to accumulate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think the ultimate the ultimate money is gold and silver. Uh, long run, I think that if you own those, gold and silver are the best the best form of money. And that's physical. You just hold on to that.
1: Yeah, gold, silver, canned food, guns and the ammo. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> and. Uh,
0: <clears throat> so this is becoming a prepper show. Then, I, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's not move in that direction. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't think any of that's going to happen. I'm not I'm not one of those guys. But. Um, I, I. Well, I mean, I don't think
0: I don't think I think some of the things that they're doing are uh, are actually pretty intelligent moves. It's hard to know what what governments are going to do with their with their currencies, with law, with personal freedom. I mean, we're going to go through some pretty difficult periods, and you never know how how what the reaction will be.
1: Yeah, I'll t- I'll tell you one thing. I don't think you know as a group people are ever happy. Uh, with whatever's going on in the government at that time So I kind of, you know, I, I stopped paying attention to that I would rather concentrate on, you know, trying to predict the stock market or individual stocks And, and, and try to make money like that If somebody thinks there's a speculation or, you know, uh, in, in, or in something Then that's fine, but I don't really care As long as I'm able to time that move or uh, everything else I think you know what I'm talking about
0: Sure I do. I, I, I understand that. It uh, just depends on how extreme the uh, political situation gets. You could make the argument that if you were a, a Jew in Nazi Germany and you didn't pay attention to the po- political climate, but you were just paying attention to what investments would move up and down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there might be you should pay a little bit of attention, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 the same situation in Ukraine today, if you want to go down that road. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I'm just going to mention it very quickly as part of our macroeconomic and geopolitical update but you know there are two things you should pay attention to number one Greece and that situation is is messed up and nobody really knows how that's going to play out it can play out a million different ways so i'm not even going to speculate what's going to happen there i'm just going to say that it's not going to it's probably not going to impact our financial markets in any major way uh that's already kind out of out of the system but in terms of ukraine it's, it's a very dangerous situation. I kind of mentioned it last week. I wrote, wrote about it on my blog. But Russia will respond to the U.S. troops being in Ukraine, and that can happen uh, fairly soon. Um, they have a big May 9th uh, victory parade coming. Maybe that's, something's going to happen around that time frame. Maybe something's going to happen afterwards. But Russia is going to respond in a very significant way to the U.S. troops being in Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine And that can potentially snowball Into something bigger So if you're an investor Definitely watch that Because I believe it can impact uh, The US financial markets One way or another if, if something does develop Sure, sure, worth watching Yeah, definitely uh, Matt, we, we had a question uh, From one of our listeners I didn't write down the the name But he was asking about copper because you, if I remember correctly, at one of our first or second or third podcasts, you mentioned copper. You said we just bought them. And by the way, that was a great call. Uh, copper hit your target, turn around and stage a massive rally. Well, not necessarily massive, but a pretty good size rally. Um, but it's been selling off recently. So can you give us an update what's going on with copper and Sure, yeah. What, are you, what are your projections or forecasts are? When
0: we spoke on our second podcast, that was uh, January 24th, we had a, a spike low previous to that call that came really close to my uh, support line. And then uh, right after that call, so that was a Saturday the 24th, uh, the twenty the next day, Sunday uh, night, uh, there was one further spike to back down, and it hit the line exact. So it was a perfect time to actually buy copper. Uh, it was just a beautiful pattern, and it was a perfect hit. And uh, so we've run up since then. We ran into a resistance area. There were res- minor resistance lines there that that are being respected, and we've uh, pulled off. But that's normal. I really don't expect uh, copper to fall through its support line, which is now $0.10 cents higher than it was. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, I do have a support line that we almost reached. It's a short-term one. We almost reached it on the downside uh, on Thursday of this past week. Okay. It was. I was actually a bit frustrated because I wanted to buy a little bit more, and it would have been a great line to buy off of. Uh, but we just we didn't. We were just outside of my margin of error. Okay. So it was frustrating that we then uh, on Friday rallied back up. If we get another shot uh, now the, that that. That short-term line is a rising line. So if we, if we, uh I want to check real quick where we bottomed. So I have the price.
1: It looks like two dollars and sixty-five cents.
0: Two dollars sixty-four seventy-five. Yeah. Yeah. And if we were to get back down there, that would be a great place to buy. Okay. So long story short, I'm still bullish, and I don't see a, I don't see it breaking the pattern, the okay. big up pattern, anytime soon.
1: All right, and you still ha- you still have a long position. I do. Okay. I just haven't
0: been... I wasn't able to add to it like I wanted on Thursday.
1: Okay. I think that's all you need to say. I think that, that makes it pretty clear what's going on. Great. Okay. Um, so next week we have... Actually, one day is, is important, Wednesday. We have GDP report on Wednesday, and we have a Fed interest rate decision on Wednesday. Um, other than that, we have Apple... Earnings on Monday after market close, so that's going to be important. It's probably going to drive the market on Tuesday. Until then, i probably not going to see anything. Uh, and then Wednesday, of course. Uh, and on top of that, earnings next week. So we'll probably see a pretty volatile week next week, Matt.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Well, the, the Fed and GDP, those are will be big on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. That, so, could, be, that, could, that could be a market
0: turning point. We'll see.
1: It could be, uh, it could be uh, a breakout. It could be anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if we, if we speaking in general terms, um, so that's that's pretty much it, right?
0: I think we got it all.
1: Okay, perfect. So, we provided you guys with tremendous amount of information. We talked about you know this the COT reports. We talked about the currencies and what the big guys are doing. Commodities. We talked about copper. Gold, silver. We talked about the stock market, you know, geopolitical, macroeconomic um, developments over the next couple of weeks, and what's coming up next week. So, I think that will do it for us this week. Um, I'd like to thank you very much for coming out and listening to our podcast. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Hopefully, you can join us at that time. So, thank you once again for coming out. Bye bye.